it's those unexpected, unique little quirks and things in songs that that make you a bit more interesting to listen to. Hi, and welcome to the How Did You Write That Song podcast. I'm Paul Marsh. In this series, I'll have conversations with people who write songs. and I'll try to find out from them why they do it, how they do it, what sorts of things get in the way of their songwriting, and most importantly, how do they feel about their songs once they're finished. So if you're a songwriter, or someone who would like to write songs but hasn't started yet, hopefully this podcast will be of interest to you. Let's get into it. Hi, and welcome to episode five. And today my guest is Nigel McRae. And Nigel is a well-known uh, owner of, of a, a great music venue in Canberra, Smith Alternative. He and Beth, his partner, run this fantastic venue that... Uh, supports a lot of original local music and national music and sometimes international music. And uh, it, that venue certainly launched many a career of, uh, of singer-songwriters, local and otherwise. So, Nigel, welcome. Hi. Thanks for having me. So um, you've obviously been spending a lot of time around songwriters and other people who play music uh, through your time running Smiths, but uh, you're also a songwriter yourself. That's, is that true? Well... I think it's more correct to say I was. I haven't really written a song for probably a decade or not many in the last decade. Yeah. And it would be great to unpack that a bit as we have a chat too. Sure. <laughs> so um, going back to when you were a bit more active in the songwriting department, how, how did you get into it? Well, um, you know, I was always interested in music as a kid, uh, singing uh, just in the car with the family and um, going through my parents' record collection and later my sister's record collection. She was a bit older than me. Uh, did a bit of piano and trumpet as a, a young kid. Uh, didn't really get any good at those. But um, when I was 15, I got a guitar and I started learning that and then wanting to play songs and so looking at songs of that I, that I you know, knew and uh, learning how to play them and then became really fascinated in the construction of pop songs uh, and I just, you know, wanted to emulate those people writing good pop songs and, um, uh, you know, I started writing songs when I was about 16, I guess. But um, I didn't really get going as a songwriter until I was 30. So there was a long period there where I was trying to write songs very unsuccessfully playing other people's songs and uh, busking and doing that, but not really doing much with my music until I had a bit of a midlife crisis when <laughs> I was 30 and uh, just I realised that music really had to be a big part of my life and so I just devoted myself to that. And um, I'd come back to Canberra and I connected up with some people and formed a band and then suddenly, you know, you know, I had this terrible fear that if I ever started a band, I wouldn't be able to write any songs. But instead of that, I just started churning them out. Right. Uh, it just was a period of my life where I had very little else to do. I could devote myself to it. And it was a very time-consuming process for me. Like, I just would, I, I played guitar, you know, 14 hours a day. 
just I never went anywhere without a guitar and I was always working on a song and refining older songs and practicing with the band and whatever. So, you know, I churned out in that decade about 100 songs, which might not seem, you know, 10 songs a year might not seem like much, but um, and most of them were crap to be honest, <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, I got some good songs out of that period and um, had a lot of fun and, yeah. you know, but it was never going to be a career for me. So did you think, uh, was it because it was like, like pent up efforts for in the previous 15 years or so uh, that were all coming out in a big uh, rush or, or was, it, was there some event, as you said, that kind of triggered it and it just really started for you? Oh, it was, it was forming the band and, and yeah. you know, I mean, we didn't want to be a cover band. I wanted to play in an originals band, so I was trying to write songs for that. And there was nothing better, no better feeling at that time than to, you know, write a new song, bring it to the band, have them uh, rehearse it up and arrange it, arrange it. And then, you know, some gigs we would be playing and we'd be bringing, you know, three new songs and we play them and you get a reaction to that. And um, that was just very satisfying and yeah. enough to just keep you going. Kept me going for 10 years. So um, you, you said the songs came flooding out. Um, was there a, a process that you used to write the songs? Was there anything that helped you or did they just literally just ooze out of you and, and that was it, there, there they were? There's a whole lot of different processes mm -hmm. for writing songs. Um, my most common thing was just sitting around playing guitar, just uh, putting different chords together um, different rhythms, possibly challenging myself with doing something in a different time signature or whatever. I was very conscious not to just churn out a whole lot of songs that were the same as each other. So really wanting to find uh, something new, something challenging. Uh, so just, just mucking around on the guitar and, and getting something that sort of had a bit of a groove, a bit of a feel, and then just vocalising over that and making sounds, finding melodies, and then... Words would creep in and then after a while I'd sort of get something that was like the seed of a song mm. and then, you know, work out what the hell it was about. Yeah, that's an important thing. <laughs> so is there some point at which the song has a story and it's about something or is there always a story in the background that you're working on? I hate playing my songs that I really don't know what they're about. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like it's a little bit of a fraud to be honest. <laughs> Uh, it's got words and it might make sense to someone, but it doesn't make sense to me. And I really, you know, I know there are songwriters for whom lyrics are not important, but for me it's very important for there to be uh, some sort of message that you're trying to transmit, you know. Um, and in my early years, I, I, as I was getting interested in music, I was also getting interested in politics and I was of the view in those days, you know, that really a song without a message was a complete waste of time. And and I really gravitated towards, you know, uh, political protest songwriting and, you know, Billy Bragg and other songwriters who had a social conscience. And I thought that's what it should all be about. And later I realised that was a little bit strict and, you know, I mean, there are other things besides just party politics and unions and such. Uh, you could write about personal politics. Uh, there's a lot going on in that arena and, you know, writing love songs that are, you know, have a 
more to them than just pining for someone. Yeah, yeah. You know, that sort of thing. Yeah. And um, over the years that you've been involved in promoting, producing live music uh, and you've done that for a considerable number of years and the, I've seen a lot of bands, you would have seen a lot of songwriters come through the doors of Smith's and other places. Um, has has the, interacting with all of those people had any effect on your songwriting? Uh, it's very hard to, you know, pin it down. I mean, I, I would say undoubtedly it yeah. has, you know, yeah. it's, but it's not a process of... Uh, discovering something and then that changing you forever long. It's just sort of little seeds get planted. Mm, yeah. And, you know, you, you, you learn you learn from all these people, of course. But um, yeah. in the end I'm still just playing my songs the same way I used to. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'm probably a better – the things that I've learned better are like how to be on stage, mm. how to interact with audiences and, uh, you know, just be comfortable up there and make everyone else feel comfortable instead of being nervous and making them yeah. anxious. You know? And, and I'm, I would say for the listeners that's one of the things that Nigel does really well at Smith's as a – series of kind of blackboardy type things for, for up-and-coming new songwriters, people who've never been on stage before. And that's exactly what it's about, you know, providing that safe space and a, a bit of a, a family kind of vibe and a supporting vibe for, for new people in, the, in yeah. that thing. I mean, we had a vision of trying to create a sort of, instead of a massive cliff where, you know, you just, the people just starting out can't ascend there, a nice gentle beach where you just take steps. When you're ready, you take the next step and... So the the bang, bing, bing, bong, bungs you, you're mentioning, the open mic nights are great and we've seen tons of people come and play their first gig there and then maybe their second, third, fifth, tenth gig there and uh, and then eventually they go on form bands and do all sorts of exciting yeah. things and we get to watch that as well. So you mentioned before that um, you used the word uh, were in relation to songwriting. Uh, um, so you were pretty active and then about... Not not so much for the last um, ten years. Is there any? Uh, well, I think I can imagine what's going on there. I mean, you're pretty busy <laughs> with uh, with doing other things. But are there other things that have kind of um, either replaced it or got in the way of it or yeah. changed stuff? Yeah. Well, I mentioned. I mean, when I was thirty, I you know I quit my job. I had my midlife crisis, and I did. I could devote myself to songwriting, and it really was a very long process. Took a lot of time and. Then, you know, so eight years ago, I, um, my life got a lot more complicated taking on the venue, uh, Smith's, which, you know, I thought might be, I might have to work really hard for two or three years and then, you know, that's how businesses work, right? Then you just sort of hand yeah. it over to people and they manage it and you just can relax again. But that hasn't happened. We've, we're still uh, working 60, 80 hour weeks and just, yeah, just don't have that time. But I also don't think I really have the inclination. I mean, it's, I still get up and play at Smith's and I enjoy that. But just the, um, the drive to be a songwriter and, you know, maybe be a professional musician or something has gone. And so it's, it's, it's a bit of a hobby. I, I'm learning other instruments. I'm playing the trumpet and I play the double bass. I join in with some of the... Um, jams that happen at Smith's. Music has become much more something just fun and relaxed and enjoyable. If I if I have a great idea that I want to turn into a song, I'm pretty sure I could do that if I'd make the time for it. Um, yeah, but the drive's not there. Yeah, well, fair enough. And 
But we are going to talk a little bit about uh, one one song, and then we're actually uh, Nigel's going to play this live, which is a bit of a first for the for the podcast. We're going to see how we go. Um, but um, so, would you like to tell us the name of the song and maybe a little bit about it? Yeah. So, um, I mean, this is a sort of political song. It's definitely a political song. Uh, it's called uh, the Free Loving Blues, and uh, it's it's sort of a you know. Uh, well, I grew up in the uh, late 70s, 80s and um, at that time I had this idea that like the world was uh, going to get better. Um, it was a time of, you know, lots of sort of social revolution and Gough Whitlam and uh, peace uh, marches and uh, you know, a lot of freedom, social freedoms and it, and it just seemed like, you know, that was a wave I could carry I, 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 or jump on, you know. Like I really thought there was a lot of hope. Um, and um, pretty much from the moment I had that thought, <laughs> everything has sort of uh, gone to shit in many ways. Um, and, you know, just... It's partly expressing disappointment about that, um, partly partly pointing the finger at certain individuals or you know factors that have been involved in that, and um, hopefully doing it, injecting a little bit of humour. I always, you know, you don't want to be just doing really dry, boring uh, political songs. I think it's great to engage people with a bit of a joke here and there. Well, um, one or two of the other conversations I've had have uh, sort of touched on this about how a story can be, you know, difficult to tell or dry to tell or, or a bit boring to tell if you just say it. Mm. Um, but if you put it into a song, somehow it makes it more accessible both to you and maybe to the listener. It can do. Yeah. yeah. And, and for you, do you think this song does that? I mean, obviously it was something that you felt pretty strongly about. Um, is writing the song a good outlet for those feelings at the time? Uh, I don't look. It's not like I did it for therapy or whatever. I mean, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not like really traumatized by that whole experience. I'm, you know, a bit fatalistic about it. Yeah, yeah it's okay. Sure. I've got on with my life. It's everything's fine. But as um, you say, a bit of humor is a good way to you know make the message more interesting as well. Just just trying to encapsulate those times and make it a a fun, interesting song. Yeah. yeah. Well. Should we, um, we, we be able to play it for us? Give it a go. That's great. Are we going to stand up at the, at the mic? Yeah. Surprise to find I'm living in Victorian times. Far as I can tell, the revolution has passed me by. When I was young, the world was coming sweet. Fear and ignorance were in retreat. There was hope for the planet if we could just get our shit together. 
Oh, but along came the neoliberals, the acolytes of Hayek and Ayn Rand, and Atlas shrugged off the burden of society without a trace of irony. I say, fuck off, you heartless pricks. Thought by now that loving would be free We'd eat the apple from the knowledge tree We'd abandon superstition, religion and the monarchy Individuals could do as they please As long as they don't hurt nobody But these goddamn corporations We'd have them on a short leash Oh, but along came Reagan and Thatcher Laying waste to everything that I hold dear And religion It made the comeback of the century And filled the late night TV With their corporate religious crap Communism got some pretty bad press And Campuchia was a fucking mess But democratic socialism Should not be too hard to achieve By now we should have real equality We should have seen the end of slavery And while we're at it, there should be A musician's allowance for me But of all these things that I believe, I believe Free loving is the one I really need Far as I can tell, the revolution has passed me by That's the Free Loving Blues by Nigel McRae yeah. <laughs> I'm all caught up. Great. Fantastic. I love that song. Thank you. <laughs> so um, we've been talking about this through the interview, but really uh, I guess that song is an example of what songwriting's done for you, right? You've, uh, you know, got a lot out of writing that, that song and writing a whole lot of other songs. Is that fair to say? Oh, yeah. Like definitely even just as a hobby, it's a great hobby and it's endless. You know, you yeah, can, yeah. there's always new things to learn and new songs to write, you know, if yeah. you want to. Yeah. And um, if you, uh, with all of your experience of songwriting and seeing all these amazing songwriters come through Smith's, uh, if you had, had a, an observation or two to pass on to someone who was writing their first song, is there anything you could think of off the top of your head? Uh, a couple of things, like, I mean, there's lots of uh, songs, uh, the famous comedy group do the thing where they do this, the four chords yeah, yeah, yeah. over and over and it turns out that's, a, that's the chord, chord chart for like hundreds and hundreds, thousands, millions of songs. And I mean, I was listening to a song the other day that has had three billion listens on um, Spotify and 
it's just the, the same four chords in in the same order. But you know, I think everyone is entitled to write one of those songs. You know, C A minor, F G, or whatever order you want to do them in. But over and over, and and write lyrics that are meaningful to you. You should be able to do one of those. Um, I think. I mean, the thing that really interested me about songwriting was to try and find those things that you know are a little bit different but not too different. You know, I mean you can you can go all experimental and wacky and just be you know beyond the listening interest of most of the audience or you can you know you can start off somewhere comfortable and just move somewhere a little bit uncomfortable and take the listener with you. You catch their attention by uh, doing something unexpected. You know, it's those unexpected, unique little quirks and things in songs that that make you a bit more interesting to listen to. And um, and recently, I, I mean, one of the reasons I chose music as something that I really wanted to do because I, I didn't have a word for it at the time, but I realised now I experienced frisson, which is this French word, um, but in this context it means people who have this uh, feeling of excitement listening to music. It's where all of the hairs stand on end and, and shivers run up and down your spine and whatever. And uh, they've really started to study this now and one of the things they think that produces this frisson is the little unexpected moments in songs. So just, you know, look at all the great songwriters, analyse their songs, see what they did. Sometimes they throw an extra beat into a bar or an extra bar into a, a, a sequence of chords. They're changing uh, tempo, time signature, uh, key, mode, uh, and and all of that's just in the writing of the song. And I have to say the one thing that I never really was much good at was producing songs. And it's like then there's once you have the song, how do you create the sounds that fill it up, the textures, the, the qualities, the, the rhythmic elements, the... All of these things that are actually probably as or more important <laughs> than the song itself. But I mean, what you're talking about doing something a bit different. Could I sort of summarise that in one way by saying just you know experiment, just try stuff. Yeah. And and then you know keep on going, and one of them will be like, ooh, that's 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 an interesting moment or something like that. Yeah, sure. And I mean, you learn by emulating other people, but don't don't lose yourself. Remember to, that your ideas. Are, are could be really good. Give them a go. Try things out. Yeah. Well, I think that's a fantastic note to, to wrap up on. So um, thanks so much, Nigel, for, for coming in. I know you're on your way to work now because there's a bunch of stuff happening every day at Smith. Absolutely. Thanks for making the time to come in and and, uh, um, and we'll um, be back with another episode soon. But uh, Nigel, thanks very much. Appreciate your time. You're very welcome. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of How Did You Write That Song? If you liked what you heard, please share with your friends and follow the How Did You Write That Song Facebook page where I'll be regularly providing updates about the show. It'd also be great to get your feedback, so please leave a rating or any comments on Facebook, Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Catch you next time.